This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Before we get to today's Browns Film Breakdown podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network, I want to talk to you guys about Indochino Custom Menswear. We've been talking about Indochino for a while now. I gave them a try. I think you need to give them a try, too, especially if you're in the market for suits because that's what they do. That custom suit that can fit any body type with minimal effort is just a fantastic offer. Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. They don't just make suits. They make shirts, coats, many other things. Everything's made to order at your exact measurements for a great fit. Best part of that is it's affordable. Almost all their custom clothing is under $400, which if you know shopping for custom clothing, shopping for suits is an expensive process. It's a great deal. The process with them is simple. Choose your fabric, pick your customizations, submit your measurements, and it's done from there. Your package will arrive in just two short weeks. You can get measured and get your design done at a near Indochino showroom, or you can do it yourself online at Indochino.com. Just type in those measurements. Pretty simple stuff. Start your style upgrade now with $30 off your total purchase of $3.99 or more at Indochino.com when entering Blue Wire, B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E at checkout. Plus, shipping is free. Important. Shipping costs suck. Those are free. They take care of that at Indochino. So that's Indochino.com, promo code BLUEWIRE, $30 off your total purchase of $3.99 or more. An incredible deal for made-to-measure clothing. You really have no excuse, guys. Get the right clothing, the right fit. Indochino is here to help. All right, and we're off with today's podcast. Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. Welcome in to Browns Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns, writer at the OBR, podcast host here for Browns Film Breakdown. I appreciate you guys joining me today. We're going to talk about the San Francisco 49ers, talk about who they are, what they do, hear from a great guest later. Plenty of great content here for you guys. I'm glad you're joining us. It's another primetime game, which is just fantastic. It feels surreal to have so many of these so early, and we knew the schedule was full of them early. Perhaps some games later, they have obviously the Thursday night game against Pittsburgh, but perhaps later they get some games flexed. They do have the 4 o'clock San Francisco primetime Nance Romo deal, but it's just, it, it feels cool. Feels like they're primetime team. And uh, I'm really looking forward to another effort on Monday night against a good football team. So let's talk San Francisco. Um, You know, there's some connections, some Cleveland connections with Shanahan. Obviously here in 2014, we're going to talk later about that. Uh, There's not not a ton, I guess I should say, there's not a ton of connections, but there are some little, little, you know, names that you'll know. And there are certainly, uh, you know, the Jimmy Garoppolo to Cleveland connection was very real at one time. 
And uh, yeah, there's some there's some interesting points that can go to tying tying to Cleveland as far as these two teams are apart across the country. It's uh, it's pretty fascinating some of those who have crossed paths. So uh, San Francisco's three and zero. They they come in with a, a, a first game win over Tampa Bay. They created four turnovers in that game. That game was closer than the 31-17 final, but uh, they created some late turnovers against Tampa Bay, who's turned into I think Tampa Bay a pretty good football team. So that's a good win. Cincinnati they blow them out. 41-17, go for 571 total yards, really well-balanced approach, 312 through the air, 259 on the ground, and uh, limit Cincinnati to 316 yards, which is the most they have allowed in a single game this year. So their defense has been as good as their offense. They beat Pittsburgh 24-20 to despite five of their own turnovers. Another good balanced approach, 268 through the air, 168 on the ground, and um, you know they opened the game giving up 120 or the year I should say giving up 121 yards to uh, to Tampa Bay on the ground, but they have held Cincinnati and Pittsburgh to uh, to 25 and 79 respectively. So they're a good football team. Now you can say what you will about anybody's beginning of the year schedule, but they they're three and zero and they beat everybody on the schedule. And, and until we know otherwise, I think this is a good football team. Jimmy Garoppolo. Finally healthy off the ACL tear is 58 of 84. Not a ton of attempts through three games. 69%, 739, five touchdowns, four picks. Jimmy will make mistakes. The Browns will have to capitalize on some of those poor throws. And if you heat Garoppolo up with pressure, he will make some blind throws that the Browns can hopefully take advantage of. He is, like I said, a turnover-prone guy, 4.8% interception percentage. He will make interceptable throws within this game. They have to balance that out between Shanahan's ability to scheme up some open concepts. Uh, on, the, on the ground, really good balance between Matt Breida, who has 41 rushes, 226 yards, and Raheem Mostert, who has uh, 34 carries for 202. So those two are the two-headed monster. What's interesting is Jeff Wilson has 18 for 52 and four touchdowns, so he's accounted for all four rushing touchdowns for uh, San Francisco, which is a fan. Uh, I should say it's an interesting stat given how well Breida and uh, Mostert have, have started the year for them. But they're running the football really well, obviously averaging up over 100 yards each game, have run for 259 in, in, in one game. I mean, Cincinnati's struggling, but nonetheless, 259 and 168, their last two endeavors out. On the receiving side, it's, it's thin. This is where you can catch them at wide receiver. They don't have a ton of talent out there. Debo Samuel, who the, the young rookie is, uh, 11 catches for 174, sorry, 147 in a score. Uh, you know, Mar- Marquise Goodwin can flat out run, but you you can keep him bottled up, keep him out of those. I mean, he has a 20.8 yards per reception with only six receptions for 125. So you can you can find ways to bottle him up. You don't want to let him loose. Dante Pettis, who they had a lot of hope for, only five catches, 27 yards, and a touchdown. But uh, the wide receiver group's thin. Uh, where they make their money here is. This George Kittle, the tight end, who's fantastic, had a breakout year last year where he uh, where he dominated the NFL and really helped Nick Mullins, the quarterback who took over for uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, become what he became last year. Uh, Kittle in, in 2018 went, uh, let me check real quick, pretty pretty ridiculous tight end season, 88 catches, three, uh, 1,377 yards, only five touchdowns, but boy, 15.6 yards per reception is pretty wild. Uh, for a tight end and was targeted 136 times, which is even even more crazy to see a tight end targeted that many times. He's only been targeted 21 times through three games, has 17 catches, so he's catching a high volume of his targets. He doesn't have a touchdown yet, but uh, yeah, uh, Kittle is the the Iowa factory of tight ends. He's he's fantastic. He's probably 
a sound argument can be made that he's the best tight end in the game and the Browns will have their hands full. Kyle Juszczyk, who's their fullback, U-back, hybrid players listed as a running back but he does tight end things more than anything else but he can do it all he he's a name you should have heard from his days with the ravens was a medina kid actually interestingly enough and then went to harvard and found his way to baltimore has a great start to his career in baltimore signs with san francisco because of kyle's uh, shanahan's usage of the uh fullback and has rid a really good last two years uh this year off to a three catches 51 yard start they use him in sort of a uh, interesting fashion. They, they'll they'll sneak him around and use him differently. He went uh, last two years, 33 catches, 315 yards, and a score. 30 catches, 324 yards last year, another score. Doesn't run the ball very much. Only 15 carries over the last two years, and only one carry for six yards this year. So you can see him as more of a secondary tight end type of guy. He's a fun player. They use him creatively. They'll try to sneak him around. Offensively, those are their two best pro football focus graded players through three games. George Kittle with a 92.7 offense overall score. Run blocks well to 73.5. Juice check, run blocks 78.7. Those are great numbers. His offensive grade, Juice check, is 83.4. Those are guys that are fantastic players and uh, present two really interesting uh, situations for the Browns. Jimmy Garoppolo, 74.3 overall, similar to Baker Mayfield, really. Uh, just sort of hovering above mediocre. Matt Breida, uh, they're... they're, they're uh, you know, one of their two-headed t- tailbacks we're talking about sort of hovering there in the upper half of their production player. Joe Staley, who's their tackle, their all-pro tackle, who is hurt, is, uh, is, is not going to be playing. They'll talk more about that later. Justin School, uh, their left tackle, has replaced him as a 59.6, a place where the Browns should be taking advantage. Uh, and really the offensive line as a whole, Mike McClinchy, the Notre Dame product, is, is down at the bottom with a 48.9 grade in three games. Their center is at the very bottom, Weston Richburg. And then Mike Person and um, uh, Lakin Tomlinson are their two starting guards. Those guys are kind of hovering around average you know, football players that can be taken advantage of by Sheldon Larry. So it's going to be interesting to see if the Browns are going to win this game through a defensive effort. The defensive line is going to have to really show up in prime time. So it's, uh, it's a fascinating group. Defensively for the 49ers, it is a, a group that has played pretty well this year. They have... Uh, their best, highest-graded players uh, through three games. They, they rotate a lot of people, but they have edge presence in D. Ford, who's uh, you know Eric Armstead are two guys who have played pretty well uh, for them in terms of uh, pro football focus grades. Kawan Blair and uh, Akila Witherspoon, who, who I'm not sure Witherspoon is playing this week, but those guys have graded well. DeForest Buckner, their defensive line and uh, box players, Quan Alexander, their linebacker has played really well. Richard Sherman has played... Uh, has played really pretty solid football too, and then Nick Bosa. Those are all names that you should be familiar with, and uh, those guys have 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 played a lot of snaps, and have played effectively. They're grading out well. Obviously, their defense is going to be one of the better graded total defenses because they've only played, you know, they've played one less game, but they they're effective. I mean, like I said, the most total yardage they've given up is 316 yards. Are playing well up front. Statistically speaking, they have. Uh, looks like they have five interceptions, one spread around to everybody. Uh, Quan Alexander, Quan Williams, uh, all, all you know those guys. Akilah Witherspoon, who I mentioned earlier, Richard Sherman. Each of those two have interception touchdown returns, and um, they'll get after the football up there. Sacks-wise, they have nine of them: uh, two for DeForest Buckner, two for D. Ford, two for Eric Armstead. Ronald Blair has one, and Solomon Thomas, another high pick in the draft, has one. 
Uh, Solomon Thomas might have been a 2017 draft pick. I'm not entirely sure. I can't remember, but he was a high pick by the 49ers. Nick Bose as well. So Solomon Thomas sort of up and down. He, he's more down this year. He, he hasn't actually he hasn't put together a really solid season yet. He was a little better in 2018, but he might be the weak link on that defensive line. But nonetheless, the offensive line for the Browns is hunting for consistency, and this is a much better, much better defense than you know the Browns saw in in Baltimore. Although Baltimore has the the long term belief that they have great defense and it sort of goes with their name. This is a better defense than uh, you know the Browns are accustomed to, and 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 I would say this is probably the best overall defense they will have played early on in this football season. So it makes it a fascinating, fascinating matchup. It's, you know, special teams wise, Robbie Gould's a hell of a kicker. Uh, he's he's been around the league, Chicago for a long time. Left Chicago, and um, you know, obviously went to San Francisco where he's had a lot of success. And is I think on the year he's, he's six for eight field goals wise, ten for ten extra points. Uh, punting, punting's done by Mitch Wisnowski. Uh, not a not a great name. Nothing to write home about. Richie James does all of their punt return, kick return duties. Not not overwhelming threats. The only thing I'll say is I hope the Browns finally freaking stop taking kickoffs out of the end zone. It's so frustrating. They pin themselves inside the thirteen and inside the seventeen on two successive not successive but they were two kick return situations against Baltimore, and those were extremely frustrating situations. So, look, the 49ers are, are a good football team. You can write them off based on their recent history, but I said going into this year that they were going to be much better, and they're proving to be much better, and they have a lot of confidence. They're coming off a bye week with a one of the, the more dynamic play callers in the entire NFL and a guy who's going to look at the Browns' defense and try to find wrinkles and holes and undisciplined nature, and I expect them to go after Mac Wilson, who has not truly been picked on in uh, in his two starts taking over for Christian Kirksey. So, uh, let, yeah, this is this is all statistical look. I will give the OBR our behind enemy lines preview. We'll give you some video analysis of these guys, um, but it should be a fantastic game. I really look forward to. It. We got a great guest to chat about it. Before we get to our guest, ShipStation, who I talked to you guys about several times. If you're selling online doing anything involving that, getting your orders out can be a real pain. You should understand that that is a real pain. Time-consuming, expensive, so many carriers to choose from. Are you getting the best deal? How do you know you're making that right choice? That's why ShipStation's here. ShipStation.com is the fastest, easiest, most affordable way to manage your ship orders. Helps you get your orders out quickly. They save money on shipping costs. Keep your customers happy. That's the point of what you're doing in ShipStation's here to help. So no matter what you're selling, whether through Amazon, Etsy, your own website, ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface, making them really easy to manage from any device, even your cell phone, which is great in the modern age. ShipStation works with all the major carriers, including USPS, FedEx, UPS, even Amazon Fulfillment, so you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customers. They even offer big discounts on shipping costs if you ship a ton of stuff, which is important. Every penny saves, a penny earned. Now any business can access the same postage discounts that are usually reserved for large Fortune 500 companies. That's what ShipStation's here to do for you guys. You'll always know that you're getting the best deal. So no wonder ShipStation's the number one choice for online sellers. You'll ship more in less time with the best rates available. So go there. Go to ShipStation.com. Blue Wire podcast listeners get to try ShipStation free for 60 days. It's a fantastic offer. Two full months free. All you got to use is the promo code BLUE, B-L-U-E. There's absolutely no risk. You can start your free trial without even entering credit card information. Go to ShipStation.com. Click on the microphone at the top of the homepage. Type in BLUE. 
That's ShipStation.com. Enter that offer code BLUE. ShipStation.com. Make ship happen. Okay, I'm excited. It's 49ers week. This is a big East Coast, West Coast game. It means a ton to both teams. Um, and when I thought to myself, who should I bring on to talk about the 49ers, the answer is pretty obvious to me. It's Kevin Jones, the man, the myth, the legend. The guy is the founder, the CEO of Who I Podcast Under. You guys hear me talk about Blue Wire all the time. Kevin brought this idea to me almost a calendar year ago. I think the Browns played the Raiders week four or five. Yeah, four or five, like a calendar year ago. I was on a Raiders podcast that he was a... Uh, a uh, part of the Blue Wire Network then, and he said, hey, man, you want to jump on and be a part of the Browns? I couldn't have been more excited. A year later, fast forward the clock, he's built an empire, used to write for the Browns, was a Browns staff writer um, not too long ago, moved out to the West Coast, has taken over the world. I'm pumped to have him on. Kevin Jones, buddy, how you doing? Jake, I paid you, what, $150 for that intro? Like, I, <laughs> I, I'm not, I, I haven't been gassed up this much. No, it feels amazing to be with you here. I'm excited to talk about uh, the Browns, the old team I covered, and the matchup with the Niners. But yeah, in terms of Blue Wire, man, you're calling it an empire. We're we're growing, but you know we're growing because of people like you. I remember signing you. You had like seven thousand followers. You're on your come up now. You're closer to fifteen, sixteen thousand followers. So we're finding people like you who are really good at talking about either one team or one topic and putting them all on our team called Blue Wire. So. It's, it's going pretty well. We're scaling quickly. We've got some recognizable names now. Taj Boyd, the Clemson quarterback, Taylor Bishotti from the NFL Network. So you helped lay the groundwork here, brother. It's, it's a team effort. So I, I appreciate you hyping me up, but know that I'm just the organizer. Everyone else is, is putting in most of the hard work, man. He's humble, folks. He's humble, but he's the <laughs> guy behind the, the, the magic that's happening here. Gave me a platform and, um, you know, it's taken off. We've done great things, and it's because of you listeners. It's because of Kevin's idea, and uh, I'm pumped to see where it keeps going. And, listen, we got to talk football at some point here. So we're going to talk about this. Listen, if I was liquid and I was feeling great and I didn't have a little man here at home and, and my wife wouldn't give me the stink, I would have flown out to Kevin's place and stayed at his place and gone to this game because I think it's going to be a fun matchup. <laughs> what What do you think, Kevin, is the sort of – I know they're 3-0, and they're feeling good, but what is the state of the 49ers as they sit right now heading into Monday Night Football? Very confident. They have a head coach they believe in, Kyle Shanahan. They have a quarterback that's playing pretty well, Jimmy Garoppolo. I, I think he's going to hit some skittish points. It could be this week where he comes a little bit down to earth. And they have a defensive line now, man. They have not been able to pressure the quarterback really since Alden Smith and Justin Smith left. It's been an issue. Now with Nick Bosa and D. Ford and DeForest Buckner, Eric Armstead has actually had an amazing start to the season. So that's the formula to me in the NFL. If you have a good head coach who's calling great plays most head coaches are offensive guys now you have the quarterback you have the d-line uh, it's a pretty good recipe to win in the nfl now let's preface this by saying they beat the steelers who mason rudolph was having trouble completing passes they beat the buccaneers in a very sloppy game week one they, they beat the, the Bengals. so they're beating the teams they're supposed to beat can they beat the browns who is a much tougher matchup Cleveland has confidence after the win last week. Um, so I think this is a good litmus test for both organizations right now. To me, for both quarterbacks, it could be like the biggest games of their early careers. Now, Baker had one last year trying to get into the postseason. They needed a bunch of help. But, yeah, man, I think the spotlight is on. I think it's never Jimmy G versus Baker, but it's going to feel a little bit that way by the time Monday rolls around. 
Yeah, it's fascinating to me. Well, first off, I'll, I'll say this. You could look at anybody's schedule right now and pick it apart. You could pick apart any undefeated team, whatever. It, nobody knows. Who, it's almost fascinating. I, I, I talked on um, another podcast this week about how this is almost the first four games are the are the really the preseason. You 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 don't get any preseason work, so you go into the the regular season with uh, almost a blind nature in terms of real live game action with your best twenty two players, and from there you're sort of figuring it out, trying to find cohesiveness, and you just want to come out of your first four games without being zero and four, one and three, and um, you know being three and zero is great, but it's like to me it feels like. You have to come out of those first four relatively healthy. You want to keep yourself in contention to be able to do something. But those first four games, you look at it, you're like, well, this team stinks. They be you, you, you win. You, you win games, and that's what the 49ers have done. Who cares the quality of some of these teams? Who knows what the Buccaneers will look like in three weeks, or who knows what Pittsburgh will look like? Pittsburgh could be the best team in the AFC North two weeks from now if they beat Baltimore and they win their next one. So it's like, you don't know. I think it's fascinating, too. Um, another dynamic, Kevin, is the Shanahan element. You were in Cleveland when Shanny was here, and that last time the Browns had a, a truly functioning offense before, I guess, last year's second half of the year, I would say that I talked about this on my podcast, this podcast, last year, that the last time the Browns felt that they were a functioning offensive unit was in 2014 when Shanahan was the offensive coordinator, and they were running that the same stuff he's running now. And they used to kill with, uh, you know, Gary Barnage and some of those tight ends that he had in Cleveland. And they were running the Brian Hoyer stretch zone scheme stuff and Terrence West. And, 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 and I believe Ben Tate was here for a little while and, and rookie Isaiah Crowell. Oh, yeah, it was fun. It was fun. It was good football. <laughs> You're taking me back, man. Yeah, so that year was incredible. When I was with the Browns my first year there in 2014, they started 7-4. and four. They steamrolled Cincinnati in a big game on Thursday Night Football. They had an overtime win over the Atlanta Falcons to get to 7-4. and four. I remember being on the team playing afterwards, and you know people were literally hugging and dancing and, and screaming like, this is happening. And then, obviously, the wheels fell off. They lost the last five games. So, yeah, I mean, being up close with Kyle all the years I had, I also covered him in D.C., um, you know, he, He's hit his stride, and I think like more so than play calling, he's hit his stride in just like managing the personalities on the, the 49ers. And he, he put Dante Pettis kind of in his doghouse. He's willing to be more of this um, enforcer type, which he I don't think he has been past. He's always you know, blaring rap music, and Lil Wayne's his favorite artist. So I think he's grown up more as a head coach. His play calling against Cincinnati was unbelievable. He had people wide open all game. He normally produces a touchdown or two by himself week to week. So, like, he is the ultimate X factor for uh, the 49ers. I think the matchup problems, though, this week are, are you know, they, they favor Cleveland. The 49ers left tackle situation, Justin School right now, he's replacing Joe Staley. He's a six-round pick rookie. There's some people giving him praise in the locker room afterwards. I don't think he played that well. I think that's just, like, people, like, trying to lift him up. So obviously, you know, Cleveland's going to go hard at that matchup. I think Kyle Juszczyk or a tight end is going to have to be on his side to, to help protect Jimmy G there. And then the other matchup is second corner right now is not good in San Francisco. So Killer Weatherspoon's out for the next month. They have a guy named Emmanuel Mosley who may start. It could be Jimmy Ward who's been picked apart the last couple of seasons. Um, yeah, man, as I'm looking at Kyle and looking at this, like he's got everything good, but there's just a couple matchup problems this week that really do favor Cleveland. Yeah, you talk about Shanny. There's like, um, God, man, I don't know. There's there's not very many of them. You, you would obviously include what, uh, um, you know, Sean McVay does, and then you would include 
um, McDaniel, Josh McDaniels does with Tom Brady. I know he's just an OC, but talking about guys who are who are really like offensive coordinators who can scheme wins, and Kyle's one of them. And we saw it up close in 2014. Most of you did, and it hasn't changed. He's only gotten better. And you mentioned two guys within that offense. Um, let me let me backtrack real quick. I'll ask you a real quick question. Do you think this game means more to Shanny? Like I know he he uh, um, you know obviously left Cleveland in a bit of a weird circumstance with the whole PowerPoint story and all of that stuff. Like, do you think – is this his first – I could be wrong. I haven't checked it between his time with Washington and his time with, with Atlanta. Did, they didn't – did they play Cleveland? Has he played Cleveland since he left Cleveland? Or am I, I, am I off no, on I, that? I, I don't think so. And I, I actually think his big issue in Cleveland I, – I know his big issue was Ray Farmer. It, it actually wasn't Patton. It wasn't Haslam very much. It was, you know, a Ray Farmer thing where, you know, Ray was trying to influence some of the play calling. And Kyle actually ended up, you know, I don't know if it was him directly, but Ray Farmer ended up getting suspended four games for texting down on the sidelines. And it was, you know, Wiley believed that Kyle was the one who told the NFL some of the inappropriate behavior. So he left Cleveland with a bad taste in his mouth. There was the rumors he made that 32-point sideshow presentation to get out of there. Um he used Atlanta to get the head coaching job. I think Kyle could have stayed in Cleveland and eventually got a head coaching job. The stuff with Johnny, it was just, he, he didn't want Johnny. He didn't, yeah. that was not the quarterback of his choice. And, and same with Mike Patton. I, be, I believe they, they both had like agreed on Derek Carr. So it'd be fascinating to see if Patton had Derek Carr and if he was still there and like, that could possibly be the case. It's always a game of what ifs in Cleveland. Yeah. I don't think he holds a grudge, not as much as the Redskins. So, I mean, with the Redskins, it was him and Dan Snyder, and that was him versus Dan Snyder. And one side of the table was Dan and RG3. The other was Mike and Kyle. And Mike and Kyle were saying, hey, we we ran this offense for you, RG3, this like gimmicky stuff, because this is you can't really be a drop-back quarterback right now in your early career and succeed. RG3 thought differently, and they changed the whole offense in 2013, and they were awful, and they all got fired. So, I mean, Kyle's been around the block. He, he started in Houston. He actually got his real first start in Tampa. So, I don't I don't think, like, Cleveland's uh, – I don't think he's, like, feeling extra special about this game. However, is anyone who have left? I think Chris Kirksey and Joel Batonio are, like, two of the only players left yeah. from, from, from Kyle's tenure. So, it's just crazy how quickly the NFL turns around um, – he is a joy to cover, though. Um, you know, I, I covered the team from afar, but he, he makes the 49ers a, a more fun team. His personality, his play calling, everything about him. Yeah, I think that what's fascinating is that he finally has, you mentioned some of the stuff in Atlanta, the stuff in Washington, and obviously his time in Cleveland. And it feels like everything in San Francisco is finally aligned in the same vision. And his vision has taken over, and he's got the front office behind him. And it's paying off. It's it's a good roster. I noted on the sh- we did the show, uh, you know, talking about schedules before the year. I did it with our our, our boy, um, uh, former rebuild host Jordan Zerm. Yes, we had we had fun with that one. And this was a game I thought the Browns would lose. Now I thought they would win a couple of the uh, first two. I thought they'd come into this one. I don't know if I had them two and two, but I think I had them three and one. But nonetheless, this was one I thought. I thought the Forty ers had a good roster. And when I look at their roster, you made some great points. The left tackle situation is dicey. Anytime you're putting out somebody like School against Miles Garrett, Miles didn't play well last week. He was kind of a non-factor against Baltimore. Baltimore's offense is so weird. You have to be so sound in your gap responsibility and maintaining your edge and that option scheme stuff that you have to play a certain way. 
as far as now playing the zone stretch stuff and being able to get vertical and get after the quarterback could be fascinating. But you mentioned two guys, Kevin, that I think are going to give the Browns fits. Kyle Juszczyk, who's a, who's a Cleveland, he's a Northeast Ohio guy, went to Medina, good friend of mine in Medina, mm-hmm. knows him well. Obviously, he goes to Harvard, goes to Baltimore. I was so freaking happy when Kyle got out of Baltimore because he we couldn't cover that guy. He goes to the ideal fit with his his play style. He's going to be a problem because he's not a fullback. He's a U-back tight end hybrid who who does some phenomenal things in the run game, but he does even better stuff in the pass game. Then you have one of the best players in the NFL in George Kittle. Do you see those guys? Be, the Browns haven't covered tight ends well in years. They're a little better this year, but they're still lacking some of that understanding of the middle of the field. Do you see Kittle, Juszczyk, running naked on some really weird sort of hidden scheme stuff where they sneak them out later, run them across and run them vertical. Do you see that sort of stuff happening from Kyle? Oh yeah. I mean, that's his bread and butter. And real quickly on Kittle, I mean, third and seven, I think it was against the Buccaneers week one. Kittle was lined up as the outside receiver. Like Kyle is now willing to play him really anywhere and get the matchup that he wants and just get 10 yards. The Kittle is to me, arguably like a top five, catcher in, in the league you, know, you group tight ends in there as well too he's so explosive after the catch I mean this is the crazy part about him and Kyle Juszczyk said it as well Kyle Juszczyk is a better football player because of George Kittle and watching how dangerous and how physical he is on the football field George Kittle is raising the level of play for this entire offense he John Lynch said about him he developed this routine he's in the weight room at 1.30 every day. He's watching film at 3.45 every day. So he's become a professional. He's a freaking fifth-round pick that is totally panned out and is just the bread and butter of this offense. Juszczyk is having a really good year, and they're throwing the ball to him deep. Like he's, he's had a couple of catches for 30-plus yards where Kyle has, has lulled people to sleep, and there's a play action, and they think that Juszczyk is a blocker. And You're right, he will peel out from the backside. So... Um, I think both will be a part of the passing game. I don't know who the Browns matchup-wise are going to put on Kittle, but I, I would expect minimum of 10 targets to go his way. Um, we've, got a, we've got a T-shirt on deck, so I'm hoping that George Kittle has a, has a big game because he, he's really the superstar of this offense. Jimmy G, is, you know, he's reminding me of Tony Romo, the way he's playing. He's, he's not there yet. He's not a Tony Romo pro bowler yet. George Kittle can help take him there if he continues to dominate the way he is. Yeah, what's fascinating is last year, so, you know, the data is limited between these two, but you you can sort of see where um, Steve Wilkes' defense, who's done a phenomenal job on 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 short personnel in the secondary, and obviously short personnel in uh, um, you know his 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 general approach, he's done some really good schematic things, putting these guys in good positions, and last year. A, uh, they kept they kept things really tight with San Francisco. They won the first one, eighteen fifteen. They they yielded they yielded. Uh, I think they they gave up four hundred and forty seven yards, but they turned they turned uh, San Francisco over five times, which is pretty pretty astounding. And came out with that win. The second win was a closer. It was a loss. Uh, let me let me backtrack. They beat them twice actually. So Wilkes Wilkes Cardinals last year beat them twice. They only had three wins all year. Two of them came against. This 49ers team, this is a different team this year, but it is interesting to look at they kept this team at 18 points and 15 points and came away with a couple wins. The second game, now I know this was Nick Mullins, but but it felt like Kyle got at least something out of Nick Mullins. So it's interesting. Al Holcomb, who's with Cleveland too, was the D.C. with Wilkes in Arizona. So 
I think it's going to be a fascinating matchup, uh, particularly. It looks like they kept, for the most part, kept Kittle in line, but it's a completely different personnel. But it is interesting to look back and see how Wilkes performed against San Francisco because that's the matchup to me that's really important. I think, to me, I'm more worried um, about about how, from San Francisco's perspective, I think defensively the Browns will be okay, but it's how do they um, you know, handle what San Francisco does defensively because you mentioned the uh the defensive lines impact i think the browns have a really good structure in place like they're they finally went back to what freddie was good at diversifying personnel using a ton more motion to unfold coverages pre-snap giving baker some advantages so i think it's going to be fascinating the browns have a ton of like double move based things open off tendencies they haven't really done a ton of double move stuff and i think that that can be a dangerous weapon for for uh um, Odell Beckham and I, I you mentioned the second corner I, I don't I you know for, for for Kyle's situation with their defense Jarvis Landry might not be playing so that could get that could get a little bit better but for the Browns they do bring back Callaway they do bring back uh, hopefully bring back Rashard Higgins which will help so um, yeah man I don't know I, I've taken enough of your time it's going to be a fascinating game I think both teams are very confident which is really cool to see. I, I, for Cleveland's sake, I'm really happy it's a Monday night game, not a Sunday 1 o'clock game, because I think that changes a lot east to west. And the Browns get the, the, the Seahawks on a 1 o'clock the week after, but the Browns know they have to win. They play Seattle, then they play, they take a bye, and then they play New England, and you can't go 2-5 and five into the second half of the year, even with winnable games. So it should be, should be a ton of fun. What's your prediction, Kevin Jones, the man? What do you got? What's your final score this, uh, this Monday night? I mean, you hit it right on the, the head. The pressure is on Cleveland. The pressure is on Baker. He cannot be doing some of the stuff we saw against the Jets or um, the the Rams. If he's finally back to the quarterback we believe he is in Baltimore, if Baker plays that way, I think the Browns are going to upset the 49ers um, something like 33 to 26. However, if, if Baker struggles and it looks like the Rams or the Jets, I think the 49ers will win, um, you know, something like 28 to, to 15. The Niners have improved defense overall. This, this isn't the Niners of the past few years. So um, it, it really, to me, depends on Baker. If he comes out and plays, I think the Browns, he'll make enough plays and have the ball last and they'll win. If he doesn't, I don't think the Browns are good enough uh, mono e mono to beat the 49ers without Baker. That's my prediction. Yeah, I think you're right on about that. I think the I think the 49ers get to 21 points, and I think that they get some things because they scheme some things, and I think those are things you can count. The Browns don't always scheme things open well enough. Like Kyle just has a knack for doing that. So I think the 49ers get to 21 points. I think you're right. I think it's a field goal to win it. I think it's 24-21. You know Kevin's a smart guy because he's coming on a Browns podcast and calling a Browns win. So don't don't leave this thinking anything else. But I appreciate you, Kevin, <laughs> taking some time out of your busy schedule, buddy. I I I, I love what we're doing. I love you having me on the pod, um, hosting this pod on our network, and I appreciate you coming on, man. Oh, totally, man. Um, we will get you out to San Francisco, and I'm probably going to get up to Cleveland at some point. We'll get, we'll get you, uh, Mayor, uh, Charlie, the whole gang together. Um, no, I appreciate you, man. I'm, I'm going to play this, this episode on my feed, too. So shout out to the Striking Gold listeners. Hope you guys enjoyed Jake. The, if the game's crazy enough, we might have to get back on Tuesday next week and, and break it down, too. So hope you, hopefully you guys enjoyed this because there's probably more coming. Of course, guys, if it's a good game, which that's all we hope for. We hope it's a good game. We hope the Browns can figure out a way to come out on top of this one, especially considering their next two. Should be fascinating. 
a lot on the line. I thank you guys for listening. I thank Kevin again for coming on. If you want to follow Kevin on, on Twitter, which you should, it's at Mr. Underscore Kevin Jones. Pretty simple stuff. You're going to learn a lot from his feed. Whole bunch of podcast stuff going on. Blue Wire is not just football. It's everything. If you're interested in basketball, a whole bunch of things. Cleveland-based, the guys on the Chase Down Pod are covering the Cavs like nobody else out there. There's everything you guys could want. So uh, jump on Blue Wire, find all that stuff. Continue following Browns Film Breakdown. Check out Striking Gold if you want to learn about the 49ers. I appreciate you guys jumping on listening. Like, subscribe, leave comments, let me know all that stuff on iTunes, and then follow the Twitter feed too because you guys have given me some good feedback about how we're handling post-game shows. And we're going to do a little little teaser here. We're going to also have some premium content that starts coming out, uh, some, some great interviews, some great number dives, some really deep dive stuff on some plays that are happening in Baker and all of that stuff. Should be fascinating, should be fun. Follow along, follow me at Jake underscore Burns 18. We love you guys. Hopefully this Monday night game is a, as, as, as great as we're building it up to be. So until then, we'll come back with a Monday night, late night review of the game for your Tuesday drive. And I appreciate you guys and go Browns. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.